Welcome to On Point with Rachel Turgeman. I'm so glad that you joined us tonight. We have a great show lined up for you. It's on domestic violence. But before we begin, please join me in a moment of silence for George Floyd. My friends, someday, someday, we are all going to witness the utopian world, the utopian society that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr wanted for our world, a world full of love and respect and tolerance, because at the end of the day, we are all brothers and sisters. Thank you. Domestic violence, my friends, domestic violence is real. It does not discriminate. It doesn't matter your ethnicity, your race, your sexual orientation or your gender identity or your socioeconomic status or your national origin. It doesn't matter. It does not discriminate. It can happen to anyone. It could even happen to you. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, one in four women and one in seven men have been victims of domestic violence and they have been severely hurt through physical violence. That is not good. To make matters even worse, half of the women in the United States and half of the men in the United States have also been exposed through their intimate partner with severe, aggressive psychological trauma. And that is not good. Joining us tonight is somebody very, very important, Dr. Francesco Dubelli. He's the founder and CEO of Survivors Pathway. He is known locally and nationally and internationally for helping victims of domestic violence, also human trafficking and sexual assault. Thank you so much, Dr. Dubelli, for being here with us tonight. Uh, thank you, Rachel. It's, it's really an honor to be here today. Uh, especially because I love you, you're my friend, yes. uh, but, but also because uh, this initiative that you have put together, it's so important for so many people, for our communities, for our city, and especially in these moments that we're going through, it really makes a difference. So uh, it is, again, it is an honor to be here, and it, I, I, I'm so pleased to be having this great conversation with you today. Thank you, Dr. Dubelli. So that we're all on the same page and all our viewers can really understand what exactly is domestic violence. I know that we know a lot of people that have been victims, but I don't want you to identify or define it, Dr. Dubelli, in the statute format. I want you to define it in colloquial terms. Talk to us. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate that because some, most of the times we go live and, and, and we go so technical and people kind of get lost. Uh, but domestic violence is, is, a, is, is an issue of power and control is other person exercising uh, that extreme level of power and control over a person they 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 state they love right? Can it can be their partner? It can be their wife, their husband, uh, girlfriend, girlfriend. Um, but it, it's just that right? It, it can happen to anybody, and it is all based in how I exercise extreme level of power and I control other individuals to the level that is considered violence. And then we have to understand that violence came in many ways, right? And in many shapes, right. but it's all based in power and control. So would you say then for, for just for everybody to understand, so here you have 
a relationship between two people, correct? Because I also want to concentrate tonight with the LGBTQI communities as well as the immigrant communities. So here you have two people that are involved in a relationship. And so one person is trying to control the other person in its totality. Why is that? What's the psychology well, around that? Because well, you're a there, psychologist. Yeah, there's many there's many factors, and 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 uh, we see we can we can address it from the cultural perspective of this, in which, for instance, in in uh, specific relations, uh, heavily based on this idea of of machismo, where one man control with the men control the women, uh, but we also understand that from the psychological aspect of it, there are individuals that have so many issues, mental health conditions that take them to understand uh, uh, relationships uh, over the idea that love is controlling the other one. And that goes deep into their own uh, situations, their own mental health issues. Dr. Dorelli, isn't that funny that you said that, you know, love, is love controlling? It shouldn't be controlling. No, and, and you know what? We should love the other person. And when we love the other person, we love that person within the context of freedom. We cannot, possess the other we cannot make of the other an object and that's what take take place in the context of domestic violence from the perspective of the psychology right when the perpetrator is dehumanize the other person so that other person is any longer that person i love but instead is that object that belongs to me and that i and that i want to hold to it with this fear that if that person seems to be getting away from me then i'm gonna kill it and I'm gonna destroy it because it's it's, it's, it's anger what is gonna come out of me as a perpetrator to the victim. And that's the problem. And that's what the, that we get so many times lost in that idea that love has to be portrayed in that manner and where there's no freedom, but instead it's, it's overuse of control and the humanization of the other person. It's, it's such an interesting comment. And I wanna to add to that, Dr. Duvelli, you know, people say, well, you know, the person, the perpetrator of violence, the abuser, if you will, is out of control. But in reality, when we analyze it, and again, I wanted to mention that you are a clinical psychologist. When we analyze it, that abuser is in total control because that same abuser gets up every morning, goes to work. And what does he hassle his employer? Because he totally. knows control. Talk about that a little bit. What I'm trying, the point that totally. I'm what we're seeing is a specific patterns, a specific behavior patterns that repeats again and again from the perpetrator, from the from the abuser, in which all the all the uh, strategies and all the violent behaviors are geared towards controlling the other individual, towards denying any type of freedom and remove that person from the possibility of loving and, and, and acting in a free way. But instead, these people are very strategic in manipulating, brainwashing, and controlling in its totality the person they claim to love. Because at the end, it's not loving the other. It's loving themselves in a very, very sick way in which it's more about egocentric and selfish way of sending love to the other person, what they call love, but in reality, it's not. And then, then you see that, again, the behaviors are very similar. There are an extreme and excessive level, level of control. I always said to people that this is like a dictatorship. They dictatorships, right? What uh, they analogy. Took, yeah, they took over in which yeah. it, 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 it is it is a relationship with the in which the other person it's not 
present, doesn't count at all. It's just the person that has to be submitted to the to the perpetrator. It's so sad. And I was talking about work earlier, and unfortunately, statistics are showing, and you know this, Dr. Dubele, and all our viewers should know this, that employers are now starting to complain because they're saying that victims of domestic violence, you know, they don't go to work as often because they're so embarrassed when they have these big bruises in their eyes or bruises on, on their hands, and so they have to call in sick. So it costs millions and millions of dollars a year because they're absent from their jobs. And then what happens with employers, they start losing productivity. And it, and it, kind, of, it kind of flattens the, the self-esteem of everybody and everybody's morale goes down. So in reality, domestic violence affects all of us. And you know, Dr. Dubeli, I'm always saying that domestic violence is everybody's business because we all should be in it together. Everybody knows somebody that's a victim of domestic violence. Okay, so let's move on a little bit to the different types of domestic violence. I know there's a physical, talk about the different types. There's many uh, types and uh, definitely there is this uh, escalation of uh, levels of violence, right? We talk about different times, but also we have to see it from the perspective that violence, especially in the context of domestic violence, start from this symbolic uh, way of uh, pro of uh, showing violence, of exercising violence in the other person. Then he moves to the emotional and he moves to the psychological and he moves to the physical violence. And at the end, it, it we talk about death. Because this the, domestic violence is not just the thing that starts with emotional violence. It increases to the point that the person can be killed. Now, we have uh, financial violence, right? We know that many other people that, uh, especially women, um, that depend on the perpetrator, they feel that they have to stay with that person because there's no, they don't have other choice uh, of uh, surviving by themselves because these, these perpetrators have isolated them. them. For exactly. so many, for for years and years, to the point uh, that they depend financially, and that's a way of violence. Uh, but as I said before, we have emotional violence, psychological violence, symbolic violence, physical well, violence, let's, let's sexual talk, violence. Let's let's give our viewers a good good understanding of all of this. You know, when I think of the physical violence, which you mentioned now, that it could be, you know, can lead even to your death. And you sit on the fatality review committee of Miami-Dade County government. I want you to tell everybody what that is in a, in a few seconds, but let's talk about the physical violence that can actually lead to somebody's death, which is very serious, okay? And then let's also talk about the emotional psychology behind this, the emotional abuse. Which one do you think, and let me pose it to you like this, Dr. Duberti. If there's physical violence and it doesn't lead to your death, but it's kind of escalating that it could lead to your death, okay? But if it stays like this and you have the emotional abuse, which one is worse? Talk to us. Tell us your thoughts. Well, look, we have to understand, and, and, and I appreciate your question because uh, something that we've seen a lot is that many victims think that or consider or they get misled into thinking that the violence that is being exercised to them, it's always going to be the same violence. What do I mean by that? That if this person tell me every day, you're stupid, you're stupid, that person is going to continue telling me you're stupid for the rest of my life or during the time that I consider that that person is going to act that way. But what we know is that that statement of emotional and, psych and verbal violence, that you're stupid, is going to escalate to a physical violence, right? And, it's, and, and, it, and it is attached by a context of psychological violence, 
right? In which, for instance, many times talking about psychological violence, the person, the, the victim is it, it, it's forced to believe that they being punished for something that they have done and whatever punishment they have to go through has they 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 are tweaked to think that they deserve it and that the perpetrator in most of the cases said you know what i love you but you take me to do this you made me hate hit you you made me scream at you because of your behavior so this brainwash is part of the psychological abuse and then from there, so you let, me, let me stop you there for a second. So, would you say, is it fair to say, Dr. Dubrelli, that the emotional abuse can leave you horrible scars for the rest of your life, and they are just as important as the physical violence that you may encounter? Definitely. Look, relationship? something that we have seen a lot is that the verbal and emotional abuse and the psychological abuse has this huge impact in the personality of the individual and the emotional being in the, of the individual. If we, if we if we express it just from the uh, symptomatology and the psychopathology of victims, uh, we seen a lot of individuals that have uh, that experience major depressive disorders, depressions that long that long for a long that stay for a long period of times, uh, anxiety that disorders. That can lead to suicide. That can lead to suicide. Definitely, definitely. Remember that it, a depression that escalate to be a major depressive disorder can lead the person very easy to commit suicide or to develop suicidal ideations. And that can come just out of the emotional, verbal and psychological violence, right? Uh, now, what we know is that in many cases, I would say in 90% of the cases, emotional and psychological abuse leads to physical abuse and physical abuse then leads to death. And that's what we need to understand, that's right? But one thing, yeah, it 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 it, it, it it's a pattern, right? That right. it, it start it start with the with the with with the some symbolic violence that I call it, right? Which I, is that when when you met the person, and just to give an example, right? I met a person, and I think that person loved me, and I said to that person, "Oh, I I I, I, I want to play the perpetrator role, right? Okay. And I met you, and I love you, and then I said, uh, you know what, love, I'm gonna I invite you to have lunch with me or dinner with me today, and then you said, oh, great, great, he loves me so much. At what time? Right. And I said, I'll pick you up at seven. But guess what? I showed up to your home at six or five thirty, and then you said, but love, I told you to pick me up." At five, at, at seven, I'm not ready yet. I'm just, I'm putting myself good. And then I'm going to go. And, and let me just say this to you. The, 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 about the victim is about to be the victim. She's saying, oh, wow, you know, he must care for me. You know, he's No, here. he loves me. He can live without me. And exactly. the thing is, as a perpetrator, I'm going to tell you, I, I can live without you. I need you. I want to hear you. I want to see you. You know what? Don't, you're beautiful like you are like this. Don't, don't, don't stress. Just calm down. Let's go. And guess what? Just by doing that so. I'm violating a very specific part of 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 your of our limits, right? Your privacy, your, our boundaries in a relationship. Because if if we do an agreement, I have to respect that agreement. If exactly. I tell you at seven, I have to respect your space. But people don't see it in that way. It's very exactly. symbolic. There's certain kind of space that we have to give one another. Let's take a little break, Dr. Dubrelli. I want to recognize our outstanding advertisers. I like to begin with the Jose Milton Foundation. Ms. Anna Vega Milton, she's a lawyer, she's an engineer, she's the president and CEO of this amazing foundation. Anna, we love you. Thank you for all your altruistic work. Thank you for focusing in education and healthcare and research. Because of you, the quality of life is much better for our residents here 
in Miami-Dade County. We love you. Jackson Health Foundation is our next advertiser. This is one of the best hospitals in the nation. Definitely the system is one of the biggest in the country. They have cutting edge information, cutting edge technology. Their nurses, their doctors are outstanding. They're stellar. People from all over the world come and visit Jackson Health Foundation, hoping to find cures for their illnesses. Jackson Health Foundation, thank you for advertising On Point with Rachel Turgerman. Mike Mirabal, he's running for Miami-Dade County Judge. Most of you saw him a couple of weeks ago. He was here. He's running for uh, in August 18, and hopefully he's going to do great. We wish him the best of luck. Thank you so much, Mike Mirabal, Miami-Dade County. You're running for judge. Survivor's Pathway, that's you, Dr. Dervelli. Thank you so much for having faith in this program, for being one of our advertisers. Thank you so much for the priceless services that you give to all the victims of domestic violence, regardless of, of any kind of discrimination. We really thank you for being there for us. We're gonna continue talking with you. And of course, we have attorney Joe Perkins, a proud graduate of Boston University in the Honors College. He's running for circuit court judge. Joe Perkins, thank you so much. Best of luck to you, and we'll be talking to you shortly. Getting back to our conversation, Dr. Dubelli, let's talk a little bit about the power and control wheel. And I think we're gonna go over the, the uh, 30 minutes today, but that's okay. This is a very interesting subject matter. Let's talk about the power and control wheel. What are the signs that our viewers need to know? What are the red flags that our viewers need to recognize in case somebody in their family is going through domestic violence? Talk to us. I would say one of the most important ones to have uh, to take into consideration is isolation. Uh, isolation is a great tool used by perpetrators to exercise extreme levels of violence. What do I mean by isolation? It's when this individual that says to you, that say to you that he or she loves you, but start taking matters, taking measures to separate you from people that care about you. So suddenly that person doesn't like your mother. Your mother is a person that is not welcome at home. Mm -hmm. Suddenly your friends are not your friends. They're just against you and me in a relationship. And uh, you cannot go to a school. You shouldn't go to work. You should stay home. And in a blink of an eye, the victim realized that there's nobody around her or him. Yeah. And therefore, by isn't, creating, isn't what they're trying to do. I hate to interrupt you, but isn't isn't this what they're trying to do to isolate you completely? Because the matter of a fact is that they don't want their victim, their partner, to be told by others from the outside, including family. Wow, get away from this person because this person is an abuser. Is that right or incorrect, Doctor Dubelli? That's right, and there's two aspects to take into consideration. One thing is when you engage in an abusive relationship, from the psychological perspective, most of the times, the abuser tend to make changes in your personality and your identity, to weaken your personality, to weaken your identity, to make you believe that you're worthless, that you're nothing, that without that person, you cannot go nowhere. And by isolating you, that message is becoming a reality. It's that you integrate it in your brain and you make it a reality. So by taking you away from people you love, it's what you said, Rachel. People yes. you love is going to cash that. It's going to realize that and going to get you another message. You're not worthless. You're beautiful. Exactly. And then you're going to think, but wait, wait, wait a minute. Why the person I love is telling me that I'm ugly and disgusting and my friend is telling me that I'm pretty. So that message 
right? It's going to kind of uh, collide one to another. So that's why the perpetrators seeking all the time to have the person isolated. And we know that within the wheel of power in control, isolation is a big one, a big factor to take into consideration. Let's talk a little about the minimizing, denying, and blaming. Yeah, that's another way, right? We were talking at the beginning of, of, of this program. It's all that brainwash that makes you believe that whatever you have done, it leads the person and authorizes the person. It gives the power to the perpetrator to uh, exercise violence against you. So, do try, Dr. Tuberley, do they try to minimize it? Like, let's suppose uh, you and I are dating and all of a sudden, you know, you hit me. And, and I'm crying, I'm giving you a hypothetical case, which I know is not hypothetical because it happens all the time. And I'm crying, I'm saying, look what you did me, look what you did to me, I'm bleeding. Or look, I'm, you know, I, I need stitches or whatever. And then you will turn around and say to me, oh, I didn't do anything to you. You're making a big deal. Talk to us about that. Yeah, no, it happens a lot. I mean, uh, and, 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 and remember that after uh, most of the cases, after the perpetrator have uh, physically assaulted the victim, next right to that moment, there's a moment in which the perpetrator sometimes try to show love, right? And in that context of love, it's when they minimize it and they say, no, but you know, I love you. That's, it was just because I was angry, because you made me angry. But in reality, you know, that, that will be cured that's and I can kiss love. it. That's, it, not it, it, it's not, that's not love, but that's the way they portray it, right? Exactly. And then minimizing it, right? Like, for instance, when there's a, a strong verbal abuse and emotional abuse, and then the person said, but you treat me bad. You make me feel bad. Oh, come on. You're so weak. All the time crying. What you you said to weak person. Dress, Dr. Duberly? Uh, one of the things, because as you know, I'm also a trainer in domestic violence, uh, and, I, and I also got, like, you, you're, you're certified through the Attorney General's office as well as I am. And, you know, the threats are also very important. Like if somebody walks into the house, and, and I want you to elaborate after I give this example. If the abuser walks into the house and, you know, he's, he or she is in the mode of controlling and throws a book on the floor or comes to, comes to the house and the food is on the table and takes the plate and just shoves it, you know, what, what's the message there? What's the body language there? Look, it, 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 you were asking at the beginning of the program about the uh, psychological effect of violence, right? And we talk about we were talking about uh, depression and, 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 and trauma and stress yes. post traumatic stress. Every time that the perpetrator exercised that type of violence, that is extreme violence, broken uh, plates, broken TVs, uh, throwing things on the wall. How about pets? Is there a correlation between domestic violence? Oh, my God. Yes. And let me tell you this. If perpetrators that harm or kill pets have higher chances of killing the victim. So this is a big message. If someone in your audience is watching this program and is going through a level of domestic violence in which the perpetrator is killing or harming a, a, a pet, that person has to watch out and find a ways to escape from that relationship because it's in danger, high level of danger. One of the of, of the factors that leads to high level of lethality is the mistreatment, killing, of abuse of a pet. Not good. It's not good. So for all the pet lovers, and we all are pet lovers, be careful, my friends, viewers. If you know somebody that's dating somebody and you see they're constantly abusing their pet, watch out and seek help. Yeah. One more thing I want to talk about the power control and I want to move into the LGBTQI communities. Let's talk a little bit about the economic privilege 
uh, or, or not privileged. What is it that they try to control the money so much to the point that they can't even go to their bank account? Elaborate on that. Yeah, that's one of the main problems we have. Uh, you have extreme uh, levels of economic violence, and as you mentioned, uh, individuals controlling 100% the income or the money of the victim. Uh, but we have other type of, uh, of uh, violence, uh, financial economic violence, in which the perpetrators seek the means to let the person so vulnerable to the point that the person uh, depends 100% on that perpetrator and we know in the life and the times that we live we need money every time that you you think of moving one place to another you need money you need money exactly. to pay the rent you need money to pay yourself on from the moment we wake up my mother always told me from the moment we wake up and if we know we're going to step out of that door we're going to be spending some serious money <laughs> no, put, your, put yourself in the shoes of a woman with children that wants to escape but doesn't have a penny one penny to feed the children, to oh. find a place to live, right? That creates that, that that strong level of anxiety and terror and that the person gets really confused. And that's why uh, programs like this are so important because then we can take the message that we have shelters, right? Domestic Absolutely. violence shelters, that there's organizations that can provide some sort of assistance into moving this person out of the perpetrator. But we have heard it a lot. And let me tell you this, because we talk about a lot about individuals, low-income individuals, right? But individuals, middle-class and high-class, many That's times, it stays in violent relationships due to financial aspect, to the financial aspect of it, right? Because a Fighting with this person means to get into very expensive, very expensive battles where they have to pay attorneys, where the quality of life is going to be broken and falling apart. And sometimes and many times, right? You know what's People, sad, Dr. Dubelli? It's sad that it's when you and I are having this conversation, it sounds like a movie, but in reality, it's not a movie. It's not it's a movie. Every single day. And uh, you're going to be seeing phone numbers here. I'm going to put out your numbers. That's okay with you, Dr. Dubelli. I'm also going to put out the phone number of Yvonne Mesa, SEVAC, uh, Coordinated Victim Assistance Center. Uh, these, are, these are amazing people. Miami-Dade County, she has shelters, over 12 neighborhood centers, so on and so forth. But before we get to the services, I want to move on to the LBGTQI communities, if it's possible, Dr. Dubelli. What are some of the challenges that you see in this wonderful community when it comes to domestic violence. Give us your thoughts on that. Sure, yeah, I mean, there's so many challenges. Uh, let's start it by the fact that uh, not all the organizations uh, that provide services to victims of domestic violence are equipped to host uh, members of the LGBTQI community, right, that have the competency and the sensitivity to understand. Century, let me interrupt you. In the 21st century, why are we not equipped to treat our diverse community? Because we still live in a society that displays high, le high levels of homophobia. And because despite the fact and, and all the, the, the those uh, advances in civil rights that we have achieved, there's still beliefs in individuals, right? Personal beliefs that same-sex couple, that relationships among same, uh, among, uh, same people, right? Uh, it's not real. It is not right. And then sometimes, unfortunately, people put their beliefs first when they're delivering services to the community. And then if I'm a gay person and my husband is beating me up and I arrive to a place 
where the place is not equipped to accept, to embrace, and to affirm my relationship with this my same-sex partner, chances are that I'm going to feel so discriminated and so uh, uh, anxious that I'm going to leave, right? Part of the issues that we have is that even though, as I said before, we have achieved a lot, right, in the LGBT community. But we have so much more to achieve, without a doubt. Yeah, but without a doubt, right? But one of the issues is that some, most of the cases, the members of the community don't feel um, entitled, don't feel motivated to report or to come forward and attend organizations due to the fact that there's a fear, right? An internal and intrinsic fear of being rejected and not, or not being accepted, right? Because it's not just a matter of me coming to a place. It's right. a matter of coming to a place where embrace and understand and provide affirmation of my way of living, of my way of loving and my and understanding of who I am as an individual. Exactly, and I hope and pray, and I know many of the service providers are at the 21st century level. I know that you are. And in a minute, we're going to talk about Survivor's Pathway. I know that you embrace all communities. God bless you for that. I know that the Miami-Dade County government as well embraces all communities. Ivan Mesa, big shout out to you as well. I know there's many service providers, but I'm sad to hear that still in the 21st century, we have some uh, service providers that are not up to par. And because of that, our amazing LGBTQI communities feel that they cannot go and report facts. As a matter of fact, I was reading that when there is a same-sex relationship, domestic violence, and there's some physical physical issues there, less than 5%, and you heard right, my viewers, less than 5% apply for an order of protection, apply for a stay-away order. And that's, that's serious, Dr. Dubelli. Because if less than 5% of the same-sex relationship and domestic violence apply for order of protection, what's going on? Talk to us. Yeah, no, and, 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 and that's what I was saying. Uh, something that we know is that the crimes of domestic violence and sexual assault is underreported in the LGBT community, right? And, and they're it's even higher in some points, correct? Even higher than our heterosexual relationship. It is, because take into consideration that the LGBT community, it's a small communities, right? We're small communities. And the, if you make the statistical calculations, then you're going to come out <coughs> with uh, that outcome, that the crime is even higher due to the size of the community. But unfortunately, we are moving step by step, right? Unfortunately, moving step by step uh, to encourage the LGBT community and to create to a uh, report and to create the means to create uh, bridges to connect to. the system with the LGBT community. But no, it, it takes time. It takes time because remember that we come from a history in which we were not welcome to from the mainstream uh, society, right? We come from histories where justice, as we know justice, were not accessible and adjust to our needs. But so I think it in is 21st century, Dr. Dubelli, thank God we're going to see and, oh, and yeah. to all to all our civil rights protests and, and in a peaceful manner and people looking for justice, just justice, nothing else, just equality. Because at the end of the day, my brother, we are all created equal and we are all God's children. And this is a message that I want to send out to all our viewers. We are all God's children. We all have to learn to love each other. We all have to understand to understand one another. We all have to tolerate one another because we're God's children, my friends. Okay, I wanted to ask you a question about this terminology in case our viewers have heard it and they don't know what it means. What does the term mean, the word outing, threatening to out? 
outing. Can you elaborate? Yeah. On that? Okay. A, a, a very, it's a, a very important step in the life uh, of the uh, gay men, uh, uh, bisexual and uh, uh, lesbian individuals, even transgender individuals, is the pro the coming out process, right? Not everybody goes through the same coming out process. What it means coming out means that I tell people in my community and my family my sexual orientation of my or my gender identity. Depending from the culture that I come from, depending where I'm living and with whom I'm living with, uh, the reactions can be very different. Not in all the cases, people are privileged to come out as gay, lesbian, bisexual and have uh, the embracing and the love of their families. Sometimes people react uh, in, the, in, in ways that are not the most welcoming. For so, some so individuals, so uh, Rachel, give, let, me, let, me, let me finish yes, this. For some, for some individuals, the coming out process can represent a matter of death and life, depending on the community. And we need to take that into consideration, that the coming out process is very delicate. So perpetrators utilize the outing as a way of threatening the person. How does it work? If you leave me, if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, I will tell you, I will tell your mother, your father of your community that you're gay, that you're lesbian, that you're bisexual. And that per se is a strong statement. It's a, it's a huge threat to the life of that person. And that's a shame. You know what you're what you're saying right now to all our viewers that that really, really hurts because that means that the LGBT the LGBTQI community cannot be themselves because of fear of not accepting, not being accepted in their families, of not being accepted in society, of not being accepted by their friends. And you know, let's let's make it let's make it work in the 21st century. I expect a lot of wonderful things happening for all of us. You know, for for human rights, for justice. You know, for for just the fact that we you know we we're all human beings, and I can't stress enough to to our viewers. And this, this really hurts me that, that our brothers and sisters, our LGBTQI community, brothers and sisters cannot be themselves because of fear. And so we hope that this program today, June 9th, 2020, will serve as a catalyst so that all our brothers and sisters in the LGBTQI community can come out and say, yes, I'm gay and be proud of it and be proud of it because you are just as a human being as I am. Any other comments that you would like to make with regards to this wonderful community? No, I, I just I, I, I would just say that uh, for those that are listening and uh, uh, wants to open up the doors to the LGBTQI community to get educated, uh, to get mingled with the community, to get to know the community, to create spaces that are welcoming and affirmative, right? To use the right pronouns when they work with the transgender community, to understand the issues that the transgender community goes through, to understand the matters that relates with the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and intersex communities, uh, in, 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 to the point that your places are at safe heaven when these victims from these communities that are suffering so much get to your place that they feel that that's the place that they should be, right? That that's the right place that where they can access justice and continue advocating. Thank you so much, Dr. Dubelli. Let's move on now to our immigrant populations. What are some of the hurdles that they face when confronted with domestic violence? I would say, uh, and because of 
time matters, right? Because this is a huge matter to address. But immigration for immigrants is very delicate. And, and, and it is used a lot in many instances to exercise exercise violence, right? That continue, that strong fear and the continue, continue threatening from the perpetrator to the victim of, I'm going to call the police and I'm going to make you get deported. And if you dare to say something, you will be deported and your children are going to stay here with me and you're not going to see your children never, never again. But just the... Just the That's word. Devastating. Just that is devastating. But just the word deportation creates a strong fear in individuals. Deportation, the word itself, is full of terror and pain, and it changes any 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 immigrant's behavior. And you will control that person as you please, just with a small threat of getting that person back to their countries where they sometimes and in many cases they're fleeing due to the horrible experiences that they have in their native countries. So uh, many victims, right, stay in that in those uh, aggressive relationships, in those violent uh, relationships, as due to the fear, just pure fear of pure. being deported. Let me ask you this, Dr. Dubelli. Uh, is it true that the victim in a relationship, if they're an immigrant and they're trying to get their papers and they're married and they fell in love and they got married because of love, and, and the abusers trying to help them get their papers. Is it true that if they have been hurt so much, there's a myth out there that they cannot seek their residency or their citizenship? Is it true that they can seek it, they could do a self-petition? Can you talk to us about that? It is, it, is, it is true that they can access immigration remedies. Let talk me tell you. Yeah, I'm not an attorney. Let's start by that, right? I'm no, not an attorney. I'm not giving, I'm not giving uh, legal advice. Uh, but we do have immigration benefits for victims of domestic violence, right? We have one that is called the BAWA self-petition. BAWA self-petition is a process that can be applied for any victim that has been married with, an, with a perpetrator that is a, an American citizen or a resident. Okay. If there's many organizations that provide uh, with attorneys that provide these services for free. Organizations that assist the person in navigating and processing this, uh, this uh, benefit, this immigration benefit, so that they can access their uh, uh, residency and then uh, uh, their citizenship. Now, if the person is a victim of a person, of a perpetrator uh, that is not a citizen, or is not a resident of the United States, then they can apply for something that is called the U visa. If that person called the police and make the report and collaborate with, with the state attorney's office, the police department of the court, then that person can apply and we help her along with the attorneys that work, we work with to mm -hmm. apply for the U visa, right? So Bauer self-petitions and U visas are one of the greatest uh, immigration remedies to assist immigrants into leaving, fleeing from uh, a domestic violence uh, incidents and relationships. That's amazing. It's good news for all our immigrants out there. You know, if you're in a domestic violence situation, there is help and just seek it. You have here Dr. Francesco Dubelli with Survivors Pathway that's willing to help you. You have the Coordinated Victim Assistance Program with Yvonne Mensa, Miami the kind of government also, and there's a host of a bunch of service providers that are there for you. Well, let's move on 
to you. Let's move on to your agency, Survivor's Pathway. You know, you're such a wealth of information. Uh, our national, international government seek you for help with these issues of domestic violence and sexual assault. So we need to do another show on sexual assault and human trafficking, so on and so forth. Talk to us about your brainchild. Tell us how did you come up with this idea to, to create this non-for-profit to help thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Tell us. Well, uh, Rachel, I created Survivor's Pathway uh, 10 years ago. And uh, it, it's a beautiful story. Uh, because uh, it, it, this organization means to me a lot, and uh, it was the product of the great support of Miami-Dade community. This could have not been a reality without the support of many great people, great advocates from police department, from the state attorney's office, from the court, from Miami-Dade County, from other nonprofit organizations that give me the, gave me the support to uh, create Survivor's Pathway. But, support, so, but Survivor's Pathway it was the result of my experiences, right? As a member of the LGBT community and my experiences around the world, living in, in Latin America and living in Europe and understanding the needs and the complexities of being victimized, right? I, yeah, like I, I experienced it from my own friends and my uh, the members of my community, the challenges that they have in accessing justice. And justice for me was an obsession and it has always been an obsession because I know that in order to live in a civilized society that really provides care to every citizen, we need to have justice. Absolutely. Without justice, then there's not going to be a society in place that take care of their and citizens. Like Dr. King said, a justice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. Everywhere. So and justice for all. For all. And then for me, my mantra, my focus, my goal was to create something. It was this dream that I call Survivor's Pathway that was the perfect tool to exercise to work hard to fight for justice for all. And Survivor's Pathway is nothing else but a space where we try so hard to accomplish our collective dream of creating a spaces where the most marginalized members of our community that has gone through victimization can have access to justice with dignity, with respect, with, with inclusion, Very important. justice for all. That's what my pathway. It's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing with all our viewers. Now let's talk about some of the services. I know you have a plethora of services. Talk to us about the pro bono attorneys that you talk to, the, uh, the compensation, helping them find jobs, the counseling, talk to us. Yeah, Survivor's Pathway at itself is it's a very holistic uh, and comprehensive program. Uh, as I was saying before, since our main goal, it, 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 it's justice, right? Justice is the foundation of Survivor's Pathway. But then we understand justice in a very complex manner where we know that the only way to assist victims to access justice is through a very holistic and multidisciplinary team and process, right? That's and the only way to do it. And therefore, in order to assist victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking, hate crimes, and any other victimization, we know that that person needs a mental health counselor. 
a trauma-informed mental health counselor that can assist that person in healing their minds and healing their souls after all everything they have gone through and that become that support that is going to help this person to understand the processes of justice, right, which are very complex and complicated, and even yeah. to redeem and find and empathy, that. Would you say, Dr. Durelli, with empathy and compassion, we need to bring back that humanness? Yes. It's, 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 it's bring back dignity, right? And through trauma-informed, we bring back dignity. Then we have advocacy, right? Trauma-informed advocacy. And then we have this beautiful team of advocates that are from the same communities that we serve, right? Our advocates are advocates from the Latino immigrant community, our advocates from the LGBT community, are individuals that in some moment in their life they were victims and they move from being victims to being survivors and then they move from being survivors to being leaders and they express the leadership through the provision of advocacy to other individuals that has been victimized and that's a program of advocacy are those leaders those individuals that went through the same but today can tell the story of how they overcome but not only how they overcome but how they can fight to for others advocating for them, assisting them to achieve justice. So that's our advocacy department. And then we have support groups, great support groups, support groups for women victims of domestic violence, support group victims, women victims of sexual assault, for the LGBT community, especially for those that are at high risk of being commercially sexually exploited, for the transgender community. So we have these groups that goes every week, all over the week, Right, uh, providing this type of support where people can gather and talk their experience uh, along with other advocates and mental health counselors that are always there supporting them and assisting them in many ways. Then we have uh, our attorneys, right? Our, our immigration program, which is, I love it because that shows how rich and how wonderful and beautiful is the everyday community because this program is formed out of pro bono attorneys. Beautiful. That I love. That we know we're very lucky to be in Miami-Dade County because we have so very, many services, very. so many people collaborating, working with one another. You and I know so many community leaders, so many powerhouse leaders, without a doubt. Well, unfortunately, we've already passed our, our half hour. Our time is really pretty much up. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Francesco Dubelli. I know that you're all sought out from so many different communities, locally, nationally, internationally. Thank you for spending some time with us, with all our viewers, and there's thousands of them watching us. I want to thank you very, very much. Your work is priceless. What you do for our communities is priceless. Is there a last-minute message, Dr. Dubrelli, that you would like to leave all our viewers with tonight? Uh, first of all, thank you again for uh, this opportunity and for the viewers to think about the complexities of domestic violence, to think about that we live in a very diverse society and within that diversity, individuals experience violence and they have their own needs in their particular way. And that we, it's, 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 it's a responsibility to bring dignity to these people, to humanize this person, to treat them as, as, as human as possible, right? To provide the means and the ways and the pathway for each individual to achieve justice. Absolutely. Well, that's beautiful. We're going to invite you again, Dr. Durelli. We have so much thank to you. talk about. Thank you. <laughs> and to all of our viewers, thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to please subscribe in our YouTube channel, On Point with Rachel Turgerman. Remember, you are not alone. 
We are all brothers and sisters. We are all created equal and we care about your safety. We care about your well-being. If you are a victim of domestic violence, or if you know somebody that's a victim of domestic violence, you just heard there's so many services out there. Seek help. Your safety and your well-being is paramount to us. God bless you all. Good night and hope to see you real soon. Bye-bye, friend. No, you're good. <laughs>